0: Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and I, are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy... In this episode, we take up Spider-Man No Way Home. Because That's What Heroes Do is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. This is one rocking great movie. The movie begins as Quentin Beck uh, from Spider-Man Far From Home has framed Peter Parker for his murder and revealed Peter Parker's identity as Spider-Man. Parker's girlfriend, MJ, and his best friend, Ned Leeds, and Aunt May are interrogated by the Department of Damage Control. Lawyer Matt Murdoch gets Parker's charges dropped, but the group grapples with negative publicity. Additionally, all three have their MIT college applications rejected. After that happens, Parker goes to the New York Sanctum to ask Stephen Strange for help. Strange starts casting a spell that would make everyone forget Parker is Spider-Man, but is corrupted when Parker repeatedly requests alternations to let his loved ones retain their memories, ultimately causing Strange to contain the spell to stop it. At Strange's suggestion, Parker tries to convince an MIT administrator to reconsider the applications of MJ and Ned, but during this time, they are attacked by Dr. Octavius. Octavius rips the nanotechnology from Spider Man's iron spider suit, which then bonds with his mechanical tentacles, but it allows Parker to control them. Then, Norman Osborn arrives and attacks and Strange teleports Parker back to the Sanctum and locks Dr. Octavius in a cell next to Kurt Connors. Dr. Strange explains that the corrupted spell has summoned people from alternative universes within the multiverse who know of Spider-Man's identity. He orders Parker, MJ, and Ned to find and capture them. They locate and retrieve Max Dillion and Flint Marco at a military research facility. Osborn reclaims control of himself, split from the green goblin personality, and then destroys the goblin mask. He goes to a feast building where Aunt May comforts him before Peter Parker retrieves him. While discussing their battles with Spider-Man, Osborn, Dr. Octavius, and Dylan realize they were pulled from their universes just before their deaths. Dr. Strange prepares to reverse the contained spell and send the villains back to their respective universes. But Parker, and indeed Ned and MJ, argue that they should first cure the villains of their insanity that would lead to their deaths, and to possibly change their fate upon return. When Doctor Strange refuses, Parker steals the spell and traps Doctor Strange in the mirror universe, and with Aunt May, takes the villains to Happy Hogan's apartment, where he uses Stark Industries technology to cure Doctor Octavius. Before Parker can cure anyone else, his spider sense goes off and he then discovers that the goblin persona has retaken control of Osborn, who convinces the uncured villains to betray Peter Parker as Spider-Man. As Dylan, Marco, and Connors escape, the Green Goblin injures May, unfortunately, fatally. But before she dies, she utters the famous line, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And that, of course, comes from Uncle Ben. Ned discovers he can create portals using Dr. Strange's sling ring, which he and MJ use to locate Peter Parker. They instead find alternative versions of Parkers from the Villains universes who were also summoned by Dr. Strange's spell and are nicknamed Peter 2 and Peter 3. This is perhaps the coolest part of the movie. The group finds the universe's Peter Parker, which they are looking for, nicknamed Peter 1 who is ready to give up and send the villains home to die. But the alternative Parkers, i.e. Peter 2 and Peter 3, share stories of losing loved ones and encourage Peter 1 to fight in May's honor. And the three Parkers develop cures for the villains. The group lures Dylan, Marco, and Connors to the Statue of Liberty. Peter 1 and Peter 2 cure Connors and Marco, while Dr. Octavius arrives to help cure Dylan and Ned freeze Dr. Strange from the mirror dimension. The goblin appears and unleashes the contained spell, which breaks apart the barriers between the multiverse universes. Strange attempts to hold them off while an enraged Peter 1 tries to kill the goblin. Peter 2 stops him, but he is stabbed by the green goblin. Peter. 3 helps Peter 1 inject a green goblin with his cure, restoring Osborne's sanity. Peter 1 realizes the only way to protect the multiverse is to erase Peter Parker from everyone's memory and requests Doctor Strange do so while promising MJ and Ned he will find them again. Doctor Strange reluctantly casts a spell and everyone returns to their respective universes, including Eddie Brock, who unwillingly or unknowingly rather leaves a piece of the venom symbiote behind. Two weeks later, Parker visits MJ to reintroduce himself, but decides against it. While mourning at Aunt, Aunt May's grave, he has a conversation with Happy Hogan and aspired to carry on making a new suit. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm back again with Megan Doherty for the award-winning because that's what heroes do. We are on a two-part podcast series with the last to Spider-Man's, we did No Way Home. Excuse me, Far From Home, which premiered last week. This week, we're going to take up No Way Home. So, Megan, first of all, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Glad to be here.
0: So, Megan, I'm not even sure where to begin with this one. I just love this movie. I love the story. It certainly is. I'm sure you had tears at the end because it the was beginning
1: too. To be honest,
0: <laughs> very sad. But in terms of science fiction, in terms of screenwriting, in terms of action, in terms of bringing back characters who we had seen literally years ago in a way that I thought was just brilliant, this movie, and we get to meet the multiverse, and we get to see <laughs> Doctor Strange. I know so, your favorite. <laughs> my favorite. And we get to see Doctor Strange. That is not strangest, but certainly perhaps most peculiar. Anyway, where do you want to start with No Way Home?
1: Oh God. Let's start with the opening heartbreak or maybe the continued heartbreak of Peter Parker's identity being revealed and Mysterio's hideous lie that he's an absolute villain just on the timeline of things. And I'm going to talk about his relationship with MJ, which is great. I love a relationship that takes at least one full movie to really develop before you get a payoff. I don't like it when they move too fast, but they had just gotten together. They were open with each other. They were honest with each other. Peter didn't have to lie. And he's just, it's great. He's got his team. He's got his people. Everything's going to be fantastic. They're going to have fun zipping around the city. He's going to have fun terrifying MJ. I love that she hates web gliding. And then the world knows. The world knows who he is. The world has been fed this lie. Everyone turns against him. And all of a sudden things get really complicated. And that is, that, it just hurts a little because he worked so hard to get that really modest goal. That little bit of personal happiness and comfort and support. And just at the beginning of the movie, boom, it's gone. Everything's really difficult again. So I thought that was just, it was a
0: heartbreaking way for things to start. What did you think? I so enjoyed seeing Matt Murdock (laughs) that I thought the whole thing was just a setup just to get him in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) For 30 seconds, I got to see Daredevil as a lawyer, and uh, I love that scene. There's this one scene, he's a bit, but there's one scene where he catches a brick that no one sees coming, and they ask, how'd you do that? And he said, I'm a very good lawyer. Very good lawyer. <laughs> so I thought the whole thing for me was setting up that one scene. Uh, Fantastic. So,
1: Close curtains, end movie. Great job, everyone.
0: <laughs> great job. When is Daredevil coming back? I'm just sick. It got canceled. Anyway, so I was thought a lot of that scene, but the wrench, the heart wrench of him being exposed and the consequences of that, particularly when Ned and MJ were turned down to MIT, I certainly understood Peter Parker getting turned down, but that was heartbreak for him. But for the other two, because they were his friends. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, that was heartbreaking. And I didn't go to MIT. I didn't apply to MIT. But for those who can apply and can get accepted, that's a huge deal. Yeah, that part was I thought pretty tough. But the and everybody got dragged down. Aunt May, Happy, his friends around that. But as they move forward, he goes to New York. He seeks out Doctor Strange' solution or a cure, which is <laughs> a spell. But then we begin to see a part of Peter where he asserted himself, but in a very teenage way. Okay, I want this, everything, but I want a few carve-outs. I want a few more carve-outs. Yeah, just a few more carve-outs. Let's keep a few other people out of that spell. And, And it can't be done that way. And that really sets a chain of events that lead to the rest of the movie. And we get to find out about the multiverse. And the consequences of this uncast spell were just created a great story Mm -hmm. because here are the villains we got to see electro (laughs) green Gollum, sandman venom and then we got to see three spider-men together that was so (laughs) fun and it was so fun and it was so cool it was like i love toby maguire i wasn't that big of a fan of andrew garfield but i thought he was great in this movie and i went back and watched the old his Spider-Man and had a new appreciation for his ability as well. He retired from acting or doesn't do very much. Don't see a lot of him and perhaps the same of Tobey Maguire, but I love the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And so to have all of them, not only on the screen at the same time, but talking about their own experiences in character. And if you go back and look at the movies, they were exact they were exactly describing what happened to them in the movie. So I just thought that part was so well done. I enjoyed it so much. I felt like I was visiting old friends and it led to a fabulous sort of climactic battle scene. And so where were you in all of this?
1: I was spiritually and emotionally hanging out with Ned and being the best sidekicks ever. (laughs) Also hanging out with my new favorite MCU character, Ned's grandma Lola, who is fantastic. Love that Ned ended up having some magic powers he was able to access and do maybe not fully confident completely untrained i loved that they were fleshed out in this way they were shown to be competent not necessarily very skilled but willing and capable and them getting to meet the the alternate spider-men initially i thought was hilarious it was just a great chance for everyone to be really participating and holding their own as characters amidst all of these more famous villains and other spider-men so i i was hanging out
0: with them (laughs) So the villains, they were absolutely fabulous. I love Doc Ock from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And so I think Al- Alfred Molina is a fabulous actor. I would pay him to re- read the dictionary <laughs> or watch. I would pay to watch him read the dictionary. William Defoe as the Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man. He, he must have had a lot of work because I don't think he's aged a day. <laughs> but you really saw the how the tension between his... Per- his personality as the scientist and the Green Goblin really was a character dynamic for him. The Sandman, I was a big fan of Sandman in the original format with Thomas Hayden. Then from the Andrew Garfield, we had Electro and um, I had forgotten Venom appeared way back then. But Jamie Foxx as Electro, quite- he was he was just fabulous. And the way he acted and described i like this feeling or i like what this has brought me you could just see or i felt like he was in inhabi- inhabiting the role in a way i typically don't see from actors particularly of cartoon villains and that he just spread his arms and he became electra exactly Very what cool. were you what if any were your favorite villains
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I did think Doc Ock was great. I particularly liked the way the different villains, when they were in the wizard's dungeon, no way to sugarcoat it, just a wizard's dungeon. The way they snipped and snarked at each other, I thought was right. great. It was so fun. The attention of Green Goblin, a good guy side, was really interesting. I'm not as familiar with any of these villains. It's been a minute since I've seen the Tobey Maguire. I don't think I've seen the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies at all. But yeah, I enjoyed the interplay between them. I enjoyed Doctor Strange's dawning horror as he realizes exactly what the botched spell has unleashed, (laughs) and that he had just a convenient dungeon. Amazing. (laughs) That was great. Just do it down here in the dungeon. That's where we'll put him. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a great kind of multi-angle battle royal at the end, but I think there's one big point that we need to talk about, which was the end of May. How did you feel about how they approached that, dealt with it? What did you think of
0: her loss? I've been in love with Marisa Tomei. Since she appeared on the big screen.
1: Same, since I was old enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so that that was very poignant for me. But here's what overshadowed it. They were talking about, each Spider-Man was talking about what they had lost. Mm. And the Andrew Garfield character, he lost his MJ. She yeah. wasn't named that. I can't remember what her name was, but his when? girlfriend. When?
1: Yeah.
0: When? And... So when he was describe, they were all describing what MJ or the other two were describing what MJ meant to them. And he started talking about her and he said, that was my MJ. And it was all in the context of Aunt May and what was about to happen to her. I just realized we all have an MJ. And I thought he was saying, we've all lost somebody. And they may not be named MJ, but. That was his MJ, and I've had my M.J. you've had your MJ. We've all had our MJ, and that was the line that really got to me. I think the
1: part that hit me the most about Aunt May's death it was her death itself was poignant. her last words to Peter were amazing. but then it was that the police were arriving, and Happy blocks them for just a second because he knows what's going on. He knows that Peter can't stay, and he, just, he gives her this he gives him this tiny minute. To say goodbye, completely insufficient, but like the only thing he can give him, oh, after he just got dumped. Oh, that's when I lost it. When I saw Happy kind of stepping in between
0: them, the coming police. And the line, with great power comes great responsibility. Uncle Ben said that line. Yeah. In both the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield versions, Uncle Ben was a character and died early on. And when I heard that line, I thought of Uncle Ben. And so it sort of channeled he'd lost his parents. He'd lost both his parents. And Happy lost somebody. And not that we've never realized Happy wasn't his own character, but he became as real for me in that moment than he had ever been because the focus was dead on him, literally. What he had lost, we're going to kind of lead up To the end, which was terribly sad. But the other thing that was going on and why I thought this was science fiction at its finest and why the MCU works is we were introduced to the multiverse. And it was not like Doctor Strange in the multiverse that we've previously talked about. It wasn't that overt. But we got a sense of what can happen, what the possibilities are, and that I guess Disney owns Marvel. And they can take this franchise in directions that we have never seen or perhaps even conceived of yet are in the comic books that they can use as great source material. So I just thought the multiverse almost as a tease were worth it for the movie alone.
1: I love that they dealt directly with the fact that, yeah, these other versions exist. These other things all exist. These other worlds, these other ideas, these other versions of people that you know, and they're all real. It's like the improv prompt, yes, and... So you get this, and you get this, and you get this, and it all gets to exist at the same time. And I think that's what a, what a generous way to treat the cinematic universe.
0: We get to the end. And so if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen the movie, big spoiler alert, we're going to tell you what happens. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Huge. And to save all multiverses, Peter Parker has to have his planet, our planet, everyone's memory wiped of him. <laughs> Literally everyone. And I guess at that point I was glad Aunt May died because who probably would have broken my heart if he'd showed up and she didn't know who he was. But that means MJ, that means Ned, that means everybody. No exceptions. And Dr. Strange, Peter recognizes it. Ha- this has to happen. And so Dr. Strange does the spell. you want to pick it up from there?
1: Okay, so Dr. Strange does the spell knowing that Everyone who has ever met, known, seen, or heard of Peter Parker is going to forget that he's a person that they know or that he's a person at all. And Peter knows it's going to happen. He chooses it, again, seeding anything that he would want or need for himself for the good of others. That's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's what he does. And as soon as he does, he gets a brief moment to say goodbye to to Ned and MJ, who are furious, understandably, I think, with him for making this choice, but it had to be the way it was. And then we get to the, the spell is recast, the world is saved, and Peter's best friends don't know him. And he goes to try and do what he promised them, because he promised them, I'm going to come back, I'm going to tell you, we're going to become friends again, it's going to be great. And he meets them and he realizes he really can't. Or at least he can't right away. And that hit me a little harder for Ned than it did for MJ even. Because, I mean, they've been friends forever. That's the choice that he made. And so it ends off with him sadly setting up a new little apartment and not making the connection with these people that he cares about more than anyone else in the world. And, uh, yeah, that's how it ends. That's how the movie ended. <laughs>
0: that's it. <laughs> and the, Megan did a good job, but the poignancy of the scene for me with MJ was just heart-wrenching. And Daya to her credit, played it absolutely perfectly. So she could not have done a better job. Recognize that's direction as well. So kudos to the director. But just, it was a perfect way to end in, a, in the way it had to. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that in science fiction.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I, you have to appreciate a movie that is willing to go there and hurt you and make the plot-based decisions that need to be made. Yeah, but it really makes me like something. Spider-Man needs a win. Can, can we give the guy a win?
0: A really solid one. And In spite of that ending, I thought this was, for me, by far the best of the three that oh, we've talked yeah. about. I agree completely. Just action. The three mens at once, I cannot... Yeah. Just emphasize how cool that was. The way they
1: spoke to each other like brothers. Yeah. And I've talked many times on this podcast about how I love men supporting men and being kind to each other and supportive of each other. And they, they just did so great. And they helped bring out the best in each other in a really beautiful way.
0: The villains were just fabulous. The uh, the wizard's cage or the wizard's lair, <laughs> where they were, uh, yeah, I've completely forgotten about the witty repartee, back <laughs> and forth. Great dialogue. If any time I can see Stephen Strange, I'm going to buy a ticket. I just think he's about as cool as it gets. Chung, is it Chung? The head of the house now, Wong, we find out, <laughs> is the sorcerer head sorcerer. And Wong is incredibly cool. Oh, he's so good. And it was poignant. It was heart-wrenching in a way that you completely bought it. Cause mm-hmm. It had to be that way. So I just can't say enough about how much I like this movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think one of the big themes was that different kinds of love are all really valid. And I really particularly appreciate about the movie is that they didn't prioritize the romantic love over other kinds of love, familial, platonic. I thought they're all important. They all matter. And it hurts when you lose any of them. I don't know. I have my notes here. Why is it always the Spider-Man movies that make me cry? The other ones tend not to make me cry that much,
0: but always with the (laughs) Spider-Man. So, I agree, fantastic movie. I hope our listeners will join us again for our next episode. I'm Tom Fox.
1: And I'm Megan Doherty. Thanks, everyone.
0: This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. Megan and I are going to go in a little bit different direction over the next several episodes where we're going to take a look at Picard season two, then pick up Picard season three. We both love Star Trek. We both love Picard. So I know you'll enjoy our series on season two and the final season three of Picard. The award winning, because that's what heroes do, is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to visiting with you again.